We're extremely lucky this week on the Quintessential Podcast to welcome in Evan Washburn of CBS Sports, uh, analyst for lacrosse, reporter for the NFL and March Madness. Uh, Evan, great to see you. You know, we, 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 go back, we go back a ways. I don't know. A lot of people don't know that we've worked a lot of games together. We sure have, man. It's great to see you. Uh, I miss our times uh, at Navy Marine Corps Memorial Stadium uh, doing some MLL Bayhawk games. Uh, we're not sure who's listening, but man, we had a good time um, ourselves. And honestly, I kind of viewed it like what I hope this is, was obviously we're calling the game and calling the action, respecting the, the product on the field. But I looked at it like early versions of a podcast, just two guys that appreciated the sport and like to have some fun. Conversational. And, and, exactly. it, and, it, was, and it, was, it was always fun. And there were some uh, uh, interesting circumstances, let's put it that <laughs> way. When you, when you call a Naptown challenge, uh, oh, which, you know, which the finals are determined two hours before the four championship games. So, you know, the, the pool of players uh, had us dancing, uh, but, but it was always fun. I want to go back to your, to your uh, you know, that, that your Delaware experience. Uh, start there, kind of. 2007. Uh, you guys make a run to championship weekend. Back me up that year, though. Uh, prior to beating Virginia in the first round, how did you guys get in the playoffs? Did, did you win the league? We did, and, and it's a great point because uh, you actually have to go back to the tail end of the regular season. We were kind of on a, a bit of a tailspin. I remember a Saturday night, Easter weekend, we're playing Villanova on the road in Villanova, and it's a high score. As a defender, it was a nightmare of a game. I mean, I think it was in the teens – our goalie, Tommy Scher, who was, you know, an unbelievable piece to that team. Big reason why I made a final four run. He gets pulled. I mean, they, they, they went to our backup. We lose that game. We don't even qualify for the CAA tournament. And we end up winning a shootout. And for whatever reason, that, that night kind of ignited us. And then we went on a run. We beat Towson in the conference championship game, which was huge. At that point, Towson kind of had a stranglehold on the league. Hofstra obviously was in the mix as well in Villanova. But look, Towson was, was the top dog, and we were able to beat them. Remember, this is the team that had, like, Bobby Greeby was the attackman. Yeah. Kind of fueled things. They had, I think it was Nick Williams was their big midi, played That's football. Right. So winning that game, winning that, winning that uh, championship got us into the tournament. And then from there, um, just yeah, you're on a real run. Yeah, you're unseated. You go down to Virginia. What are they? They the two? They were the two coming off, and, I think, uh, maybe the undefeated year or, or, or coming off the undefeated year. That's right. Yeah. They were undefeated in 06. So they're number two seeded. You're down in Charlottesville and you guys beat them by a, by a big margin. What, what, what happened? It was unbelievable, Q, because I mean, and a little fun backstory, too. And, and you know this, but I, I grew up with Kip Turner. So we, we went to high school together. Really close friends are to this day. And. I remember when the draw came out, Selection Sunday, I saw that we were playing UVA, so we start talking. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm thinking maybe I hang out after the game and stay down in Charlottesville because I'd worked the camp there that summer and, and loved that town. And look, you know, I was a competitor. I still am. I, I wanted to win. But in your mind, you're like, I'm probably not going to beat the number two seed. We're, we're, we're playing with house money at this point. Uh, but so we win the game. I don't stay. <laughs> that wasn't really welcome at that point. What happened in that game, which you saw later on when you saw us in the tournament, we we captured, uh, I think, one, you know, having Alex Smith at the X, which just gave us the, the possession disparity. And for those listening that are younger, he was kind of a trailblazer. And we were in a lot of ways of having 
a guy who didn't practice with us other than team period. I mean, he was off to the side. I mean, he was the true specialist before it became in vogue and now is such a huge part of the game. Then we also made a switch. Curtis Dixon, who now lacrosse fans know is, you know, an All-American, a Hall of Famer at Delaware. Three quarters of the season, Q, he's scout team midfield. Wow. And we were struggling and they made a switch because he was, I think we were playing a team that had a, he was a big time lefty um, or he was one handed. Maybe he was righty. Uh, he was one handed and we were playing an attack and that had, we only had one hand. So he was on scout team and he was just tearing us apart. Our, our starting defense and chills and uh, you know, Greg Carroll and the staff kind of like, well, let's give him a shot. We're not generating any offense. He gets inserted into attack along with that group. And again, it, it kind of, that was a big part of the, the run after that Villanova game. And then in the Virginia game, he just goes off. Tommy Scherer is playing out of his mind. It was like all the pieces came together. And I will say, as much as, you know, I joked about wanting to hang out at UVA after the game, we weren't really scared of anybody because we were all really old. I mean, it was a lot of, a lot of seniors, a lot of big dudes. We had some Canadians, yeah. Jordan Hall, and Rob Smith from Georgetown. We had some tough guys. And um, we just kind of, once that first quarter, we realized like these dudes, I mean, they're good, but we can roll. Jordan Hall became a really good pro player the next week. Well, that same week, UMBC upsets Maryland. Yeah. And so you got two unseated. You guys handle a good UMBC team to advance to championship weekend. It's, it's like, wow. So you, you go from maybe watching this whole thing from, from home to next thing you know, you're playing in front of 40,000 people in the semifinals. It was un unbelievable. And, and remember that was the year, I mean, that was kind of the Zenith and hopefully we, we can recapture it, but of the attendance boom and it was coming off. I mean, it, and it, I mean, I don't want to skip the UMBC game cause that was special, especially for me. It was at, it was at Navy. Um, it was in Annapolis. I grew up, you know, less than a mile from that stadium. We were playing UMBC. I grew up playing hoops against Drew Westervelt. So I was actually guarding him in that game. Wow. They had a fun attack with Gallagher and, and what was the, the tugboat, the, the, uh, the big finisher. Oh, yeah. so, so Mundorf was, was gone at that stage. Mundorf, I think was gone at that stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah that would make sense. I think he was two years old, man. No, I, I mean, I remember it as Westervelt and Gallagher. I don't think Mundorf was there, yeah. uh, but it was so it was just a, a special game. And I think coming off the UVA win, we were like, well, we've just beat this team. That's arguably one of the best teams in the country. Um, you know, we can beat anybody. And look, it not being Maryland probably helped our psyche a little bit because it was like we're taking on, you know, an equal America yeah. East CAA in that way. I think we scrimmaged them early in the year, too. Uh, so and then, yeah, we, we had the final four and, and that was that was such a, it was kind of like a confluence of everything you would need to make the final four um, so highly attended and highly anticipated because you had the Duke storyline, you know, for better or worse, coming back. You had Johns Hopkins, the home team. And then you had Cornell and ourselves who were kind of outlier, at least we were the outliers. And um, it was just, uh, it was, it was hot, hot as hell, but, but yes, an yes, awesome well weekend. 48,000 uh, on hand. Uh, the Hopkins game didn't go your way. But when you look back at that entire run, as, as we get like closer to championship week, which we both cover, and then NCAA selection and the bracket comes out, like what, what, how does that experience help you put this whole thing in perspective? Well, I think it, it a number of things. I mean, it's something that I, I hearken back on, you know, to this day and, and, you know, a lot of the things we face in our 
and our profession. And then just also trying to relate to athletes, despite, you know, as I get older and the separations there, the, the, the fuel's the same and, and the ability to, to do something special and, and to be, as I mentioned in that UVA game, a group of guys that kind of came together and, you know, we had some highly recruited players and some special guys and small American caliber guys, but it was really about what we built in that locker room and, and kind of being liked the idea that we were a bit rough and tumble and we were Delaware and um, you know, whatever cliches and stereotypes you want to throw to that, we, we kind of embraced them. So I, I enjoy over the course of, as we creep towards May here, kind of identifying teams that maybe have a similar makeup and, and can do things in, in that way and, and whatever that identity is, and then allow that to be what they lean on, on top of having to perform in the moment. Yeah. Those, you know, I always think of like the band of brothers, the pirate ship, like a group who may, may have sailed through some, some, uh, some storms along the way, but maybe late in the year, as you said, they found an identity, they found that spark and it just rolls. I think February and March, maybe we put too much into it. It's kind of really what happens in April and and championship week so often that sets up what's next. No doubt. And I I think we were early, you know, give Shields some some help for it in the moment. But we were we were before it was everybody starting to play in February. We were like one of the first few teams. So you were. Yeah. What happened that year is we we had our because we'd always start, you know, well because nobody was really playing and we'd been practicing we had the winter session so we'd start basically two days after the new year and so we'd we'd start strong we hit a wall and then my first few years there uh we'd not be able to kind of dig ourselves back out of it or climb back um back up top and that year we did and uh i i think to your point if you look at teams in february that are hot like, no, yeah, that's that, that can get a little dangerous if you're trying to predict future success, because look, it, as well conditioned and mentally tough as a lot of these players are, it's a grind and um, it, it can come to come to bite you come basically right now. Yeah, it felt like a long year back when we started the first week of March. I can't imagine what it's like for these these guys now who start practicing in the first week of January. Uh, you get out of Delaware. How'd you get into television? Well, it was it was interesting. A uh, big part of my story as as a player was was injury. So I tore my ACL. My I redshirted just a true redshirt. I came out of Severn School pretty raw, and uh, there was an older team at Delaware my first year. So it's been spring of '04, and I remember the coaching staff being like, "Hey, you know, you're not going to play much this year, if at all. Why are you going to waste? Why, why do we? Why, why should we waste a year?" And this is before. Like, I mean, redshirting and lacrosse wasn't really commonplace at this point. So. After the initial ego hit, I took advantage of that year. I came into my redshirt freshman year, so my sophomore year academically uh, as the fourth defenseman, and I was going to, and I ended up playing um, a decent amount. We went to the NCAA tournament that year, lost to Navy. And uh, then the following year, I was lined up to start. Everything was kind of heading in the right direction. Tore my ACL in uh, preseason, like in the winter session in that January period. So I was out that whole year, came back. I think that's when we went on our run. So long story short, then into my senior year, my fifth year, I'm, you know, kind of the, the, one of the best defensemen on the, or I was the best defenseman on our team. And then I was, you know, kind of one of the guys and I was going to try and play in the MLL. That was the goal. And there was some, you know, interest in that regard, as I understand it. And then senior day, I tear my other ACL. Wow. So I, um, 
am obviously not able to play that summer. And to be honest with you, Q, like I didn't approach my future professionally as a, you know, outside of lacrosse with any level of seriousness. Yeah. When I was at school, my focus was sports one, social life two, academics third. Not that that's right, but it's just kind of how I did it. And um, so it, it was a pretty big wake up call when it was like, all right, you're not going to play in the MLL after you graduate, at least that summer. I'd always said like, hey, you know what I'd like to do? Like, you know, I like sports. I like television. Well, I'll do that. But I didn't, I did like one internship uh, in the summer after my junior year, but it was at Fox 45 with Bruce Cunningham and basically Bruce, go, to, yeah. go, to the, go to the station. And, was Amber uh, Theo Harris there then? She was, she was. That was one of her final year. Or no, she maybe just left. Yeah, she. it was Amy Fadul had taken over for Amber. So, I, but I, I had no real, I wasn't one of these kids that, you know, did all the things you should do to set yourself up. But your guy, or it goes back to Kip Turner. I talked to him in the fall after I graduate. So I rehab, I'm rehabbing my, my second ACL and Kip and I aren't talking. I'm like, yeah, man, I'm kind of like, I want to try and figure out a way to like get involved in the TV business and sports TV. And Kip's like, well, I know Joe B and Joe Beninati. Um, and he's like, he does the caps games. Maybe he can help you out. And I'll never forget, you know, play a little phone tag, talk to Joe B. It's, I think it's August and I'm, uh, I'm explaining my situation and, you know, God bless him. He was like, Hey, I'll, I'll, I know who handles the internships at Comcast Sportsnet and he in DC and I'll get you in touch with him. So wow. he does. I end up getting an internship at Comcast Sportsnet in DC I had to work around some of the logistics because it was really reserved for college kids and I had already graduated. So there was a moment where I was like, well, am I going to have to pay to take a community college class so that I can <laughs> say I'm getting credit because I'm not getting paid. But the guy who was actually like my age, because at this point I'm like 23 because I did five years. He was like, yeah, whatever. We'll just don't, if anyone asks, you know, you're good. And uh, so that was kind of my entree into the TV business. And it was great because I got to see how the sausage was made. I got to see from start to finish how you make a show at six. And I mean, kind of the, the nuts and bolts and the stuff that really matters. And then, you know, we have so much connective tissue. Um, I mean, I always kind of looked up to you too, cause you were doing it, but uh, Lee Felsmo at this point was kind of out at ESPN, wasn't doing the stuff with you, but still always looking for a way to, to put a lacrosse game on TV. So I think uh, my second year as an intern, now I'm just freelancing, living at home, trying to piece together. And I knew I had to like get on TV somehow or get on the air to get reps. And I thought, well, lacrosse is one way to do it and leave through, you know, Annapolis connections, all that was like, I'm going to try and put this package together. We're going to do C I'm going to do CAA games or maybe it was ECAC at that point. Yeah, it was ECAC. And I'm just going to, I don't even know how they aired, where they aired. And he's not paying. So he was like looking for people. And wow. Wow. I ended up doing a season with Leaf. I think we did six or so games. And and it was, you, you'll know the guy. We do it out of like a sat truck. And, you know, we did some Loyola games. I remember going up to Ohio State. They were playing Bellarmine. They're Fairfield. Whatever. It was my uh, you know, kind of yeah, my reps. way to get reps and yeah. obviously to have leaf there to help teach me some of the mechanics was massive. And most importantly, I got a tape going and yeah. I was able to get the baseline of a tape. And then, so I'm doing that while also working as a PA in DC 
And I put that tape together and from the first season, and then we did like a massing game too. So that was huge. Cause I was actually like, you know, kind of got paid for that. I remember that, but a big, big deal. And I put that tape together and through uh, Sheehan Stanwick Birch, uh, who I knew because my buddy actually was, you know, dating his sister, uh, uh, got a tape to CBS College Sports at the time. And Danowski's doing their games at this point, Matt Danowski. And I remember getting a response like, uh, yeah, you know, looks good, but we don't need anybody, but we'll keep it on file. You know, fast forward a whole nother year. Danowski's starting to get more attached to being a pro lacrosse player. And they had an opening for a Princeton Cornell game, Rob Pinnell, Chad Weedmeyer, big defenseman for Princeton. It was my one shot. They were like, Hey, you know, we got Princeton Cornell here. We'll give you this game and do the game. And I remember getting an email like at halftime. And this is before people, everyone texted everything like all the time. Uh, that was basically like, you're doing a great job. Can you do a game next weekend? And honestly, like, you know, I keep going, but that, that got the ball rolling. Yep. It started the relationship with CBS. It's such a great example of what, well, you know, what, what I tell youngsters, college kids, high school, even people out of college, like, how do they get into this business? I'm like, you just got to somehow find a way in and then scrap and claw for everything. You know, it starts with like, as you said, you know, getting an opportunity, you do one game and you put everything into that game and hope it goes well. Uh, but uh, Joe, you mentioned Joe Beninati. He's been amazing in my career development in terms of uh, how just what a pro's pro he is. And and he behind the scenes has, has helped dozens and dozens of, of young announcers. And then Leaf, I mean, you know, Leaf was very welcoming of me. He obviously set you up. I know he did the same with Mark Dixon. I don't know if, if Leaf gets enough credit. Got to pay it forward, Q. I mean, like yeah. that's the big thing. It, I, yeah. it, you uh, identify if someone's for real, if they're in it for the right reasons, if they have the mentality of like, I'm not wanting to be, a, you know, I don't think it's cool to be on TV because you know, of the celebrity aspect or the money aspect. It's, are you into this? Like, are you into the the minutia? And and if you see that, then it's all about trying to help people. And here we are less than 10 years later, you've worked multiple Super Bowls. Like, it, it, do you ever walk out there and be like, wow, Cornell, Princeton, that's, this is nuts. This is, <laughs> this is escalating quickly. Absolutely. I, I texted because, and look, I'm not a believer in, oh, that person was lucky. I think you are provided opportunities and it's your, your luck is, is being prepared to take advantage of the opportunity because everyone gets them like people that say, Oh, I never got a shot. No, you got, I I'm a believer that you've gotten shots and you didn't necessarily seize them. Now it's a subjective business, whether you think you did a good job or not, that's a frustrating part of what we chose to do. But the, the guy who was in charge, Ross Malloy of CBS college sports production at that point, saw that game. And then I actually went to New York and made a point of going to New York after the two games I did and asking, Hey, can I sit with you in your office and have you critique my games and break down what you thought I did well and what, you know, you thought needs work. And that you know, doing that allowed me to build this relationship with him and uh, you know, that he then, as he got different opportunities and different, um, positions within CBS, he, he offered me chances and whether it was college football to start, or then when I did the college football sidelines, and then we do the, we get the NFL, we add sideline reports, the NFL in 2014, 
he offers me that and I'm starting on the three team. And so that was a big, big aspect to it, but I'll never forget. I texted him. I think it was last, cause it would have been 10 years. I think last uh, year. Yeah. Last, last April or May. Um, and I was like, Hey man, 10 years ago today, you gave me the uh, Princeton Cornell game and can't thank you enough. Cause uh, you know, you've changed my life basically uh, along with a lot of other people and a lot of hard work. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm, I remember specifically my first football game college was a, was a one game deal. It was Penn state at Indiana and post game. I got an interview with Joe Paterno and I got him to talk. I was basically grabbed his raincoat and wouldn't let him run away. And after the game, the producer was thrilled. He was like, how'd you get him to talk so long? I'm like, I grabbed him and I wouldn't let him go. And, and you think about, again, that's an analogy for grabbing the opportunity yes. and, and, and seizing the moment uh, in terms of the Super Bowls and, and those games, the, the uh, championship, whether it's championship week in the NFL uh, or the Super Bowl, has that radically changed your life? Like, are you, people doing double takes all the time now uh like what, what what's that like well I'll, I'll say it's it's funny and you can appreciate it because we still live in in you know this i mean you do national so many national things but you live in in baltimore in the baltimore area and and so do i, I grew up in annapolis but i've been here for over 10 years now and i get recognized in baltimore for the things i do with the baltimore ravens whether it's preseason games or hosting their shows um, so, and everyone's like, Hey, you work for the Ravens. I'm like, well, I do do some stuff for them, but I, I work for CBS. So it's kind of where you are is how people identify you. Uh, yes, I would say no doubt the Super Bowls and the championship. So the way it works too, is I'm on the, the two crew, the B crew with Ian Eagle and Charles Davis. And then, um, at the end of our season, whether it's in the playoffs, we'll do a wild card game or a divisional game. Then I'll join the A crew of Jim Nance, Tony Romo and Tracy Wilson. We, it's a larger broadcast, two sideline reporters, whole deal. Um, so having been doing that or having done that now for over the last, you know, three Super Bowls, as you mentioned, number of years, yes, it does give you, in, I would say in the business, that's more of a, a, you've kind of taken a step and you're viewed in a different way. In terms of folks in the airport, it's really just based off of, am I in that market a lot doing games? Like, done a ton of Pittsburgh Steelers games, done a ton of Buffalo games. Like when I'm in those airports, yeah, people are like, Hey, what's going on? Or you take some pictures or whatever. But if I'm in Dallas, <laughs> people don't know yeah. anything, you know, because for Arizona, a a a I've done one of their games. Yeah. So a that's where like sort of the recognizable aspect uh, comes into play, but absolutely those being a associated with those events and being able to, just do your job in those events, I would say, and, and not, you know, allow the magnitude of it to um, uh, impact your performance has, has definitely helped me. What's uh, you, you've worked some, uh, some high level March madness games as well uh, in, in, in the bracket. What's the, what's the takeaway there in terms of your lacrosse broadcasting? Uh, what, what, what from that experience do you find relevant to when, when you sit down and, and analyze uh, a men's college lacrosse game? Well, I would say first I'd flip it. I'd say starting as a lacrosse analyst and learning how to be a part of a broadcast and, and what's asked of you and what I think good analysts do is how I do the sideline reporter job. I can't wax poetic. I can't have a strong opinion necessarily unless it's rooted in, in fact and backed with something I've been told by a player or coach. But I constantly view the game and the position in the same way. I, I, I 
think you do too. At least that's how I take it when I watch you do your work from the sidelines. Um, and so I, I would say, first of all, that that's a, a, the greatest benefit is that I feel like I'm always an analyst. I just happen to be a sideline reporter and I just have to be a little bit more diligent about, obviously I have less time to talk and less opportunity, yeah. but the, the principles to me don't change. Um, when it comes to how the March Madness or even the NFL work impacts my lacrosse work, it's, it, it's really, I treat it all the same, Q. And, and I think it's, it's helped me lacrosse. There's a comfort because it's a small world. We know each other. There's always a connective point, um, you know, love for the game, kind of things like that. But I, I, when I talk to a high level college basketball player or college coach, Bill Self, Mike Krzyzewski, there's a respect, but I don't treat them any different or not ask what I would ask uh, Joe Albarisi or Charlie Toomey. I mean, we're all human beings. We're all here to, to do a job and I respect their, so, and even, and it goes with the pro athletes too. I mean, and sometimes that, that can catch them off guard because they're used to so much deference if you will but i do think uh it, it's helped me more than it's hurt me let's get into the here and now a little i watched your game last week on uh what was that monday or tuesday night a loyal georgetown. yeah georgetown game where, where were you guys were in polos were you, were you at the venue because it, it looked no, a little yeah that that's a that's a remy game i mean oh, that was I, a remy okay other than your other than your cat on camera evan i i, I wouldn't have guessed uh, by oh, your coverage yeah uh Give me some takeaways for, for, uh, let's start with the Hoyas, uh, who you, you know, Kevin Warren extremely well. Yep. Uh, yeah. He was an what, assistant what, your, at Delaware. Yeah. What's your gut here about Georgetown? I love, I love, I love what I saw. Um, I'll be honest. I hadn't seen much up to that point because they're not on national TV. Or they, yeah. they don't have any TV games and the streams you have to buy. So it was just kind of tough to keep up with them throughout the year. But my, my takeaway is, is, and I said it on the air, I think their starting group, so starting, yeah. you know. The, one through their, 10. Yeah, one through 10 is as good as anybody in the country. Uh, and when they're rolling offensively, it's, it's fun to watch. It's got some Golden State Warriors kind of feel to it. It's all about freedom of movement, ball movement, uh, finding space and, and they've got roles that are defined. It's it's interesting. They lose Caraway, but I, they might be better offensively because when you have that alpha and that high quality of player, sometimes guys are pushing the ball to him when they should just uh, seize the opportunity themselves. That that is something I noticed. And their defense is special, and I think they can lean on that defense when you saw it in the Loyola game early. The offense is kind of disjointed and you know, turning the ball over a little bit. But when you've got what they have defensively, it can keep teams at bay. And then the offense wakes up and they do what they do. Depth is a real concern. They don't have a second midfield. They don't have a you know fourth or fifth attackman that they could roll in if somebody gets banged up and um, similar defensively. And, and that's not just because I didn't see it. That's kind of the vibe I got from conversations with the staff. So come May, where temperatures do what they do, and if injuries hopefully don't become a thing, but it, it does become a thing often, and then the reality of having to win um, two games in three days if you're in the Final Four. Yeah. Now, Kevin's done a wonderful job uh, with the Hoyas. Do you think he could start in their defense? 
I don't know. I, I, <laughs> those guys, Will Bowen is, he is oh, really can... impressive, but the, you know, Gibby Smith and some of the other guys, I think are really good too. Well, I go back to it similar to the, it's roles, it's defined roles and Kevin brought it up and I didn't think about it, but it, it makes a lot of sense. It's also like different body types. Yeah. So you, mentioned that on the, you mentioned yeah. that on the air and, and I like that, that, that point you made in yeah. terms of, in terms of your ability to match up with different body types. It's kind of like yeah. to use a football compare. I mean, like if you want, you got a long corner to match up with a bigger body receiver, but then you got your your uh, nickel corner to get in the slot with guys. I mean, that's where they've got Bowen, who I actually think might be better off ball. And then his ability to time when to slide and know when to – I mean, he's kind of a – he wrecks games with just blowing up a, 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 a double – Picking so the like ball a free, up and getting so like a free safety, being yeah, that free runner. or like a middle linebacker, just because of size, like he's yeah. able to recognize. And then um, Mazone's just an absolute vacuum. <laughs> yeah, I probably could start for that defense. <laughs> no, they're pretty good. Uh, tell tell us about Loyola. You're, you're going to be seeing a lot of Patriot League lacrosse coming up. Uh, everyone had such high expectations for this team based on what they did at the end of last year. They returned a lot of their parts, and it just hasn't. It, it hasn't fallen in a place like like many uh, here in, in Baltimore thought it would. What's your take on the Greyhounds? I think it's an example of the challenge so many teams and programs are are feeling. Like there's the the positive of the the COVID year where guys are coming back and you're seeing fifth and at times six year players and and we have uh, starting groups like Georgetown that look like they do. I, my sense with Loyola is that they've just struggled to, again, we mentioned it off the top, capture the identity of this team because he got 10 graduate students and then 10 freshmen and an odd mix in the middle. And Charlie mentioned it to us. I mean, it, the stuff that matters, yeah, you can say like, oh my God, look at all these people returning, but the inner team dynamics when you've got 23 year olds and 18 year olds and how that impacts the locker room and off the field. And are these guys really coming together because they're on different life paths and positions on that journey? I think that stuff matters. And then I think, I mean, consistency in the cage has been a problem Yeah, and they've got talent defensively, but I mean, you, I don't need to tell you this, if, if your net minders kind of riding the roller coaster, that can impact, the guys the way you play defense that, yeah that's, defensive confidence yeah that's I mean that's why you guys are as important as you are and then offensively you're not going to have Spencer I know that but it seems to me they struggle to to find somebody who because Kevin Lindley's a special finisher but he's yeah. not I mean they're asking him to do things that I don't think he's necessarily I mean he can do them but he can't do them to the level they need him to um, Aiden Olmstead gives you flashes They've had players at the midfield that are definitely talented, but nobody's really grabbed it and been like, all right, I'm going to lead this thing and I'm not going to be Pat Spencer. I might not even be a first team, you know, or an all American caliber player, but like it's going to run through me. And I, I still think they're searching on that end. And because they're so well coached and they're disciplined, they're going to hang around. They're going to be in games. They could make a run here over the next week and a half, but it, it just feels like they're constantly the grind is that in and not in a good way. It feels like they've been grinding through this year to, to, to capture something. Yeah. It was good to hear you and, and Jason Knapp, uh, my longtime wrestling friend. No, that's uh, right. Yeah. Call that game. What, what, what do you got coming up for this final week and, and then championship week? Well, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm getting on a plane in a couple hours. I'm going to go to Vegas to do a little draft coverage for the NFL. 
Um, we'll have a draft show on CBS Sports Network on Wednesday night. So I'm going to do a bunch of interviews and do some reports from out in Vegas. Fly back Thursday, um, do a Ravens draft event uh, at the stadium Thursday night. So that should be fun. Friday, we got Loyola Lehigh at Loyola. And um, then the following week, uh, shipping off to Boston. You and I were uh, texting yeah. about it. I'll get back hopefully to that. Um, our, uh, our Cambridge Hyatt Marriott there on the, uh, on the Charles. Oh, right get on some the good river, runs in. That's good, a great jogging. Great run in town. The weather yeah. should be good. And, yeah, we'll have Patriot League tournament uh, Friday semi, Sunday champ. And then so that's B, it for me. So BU will be the host. Uh, they, it's a six team again, right? With the quarterfinals. Uh, yeah, but we only, I mean, so that it, the quarters are at the home, like the yeah. bottom seeds, home sites, I think on Tuesday night. And then uh, top two seeds um, get straight to the semis and we'll do the semis and champ. Have you seen enough of BU uh, or Army to, to yeah. give us something here? Yeah, yeah no doubt. Uh, I think BU has I, I compare them a lot to the Bucknell teams that had that that made runs won Patriot League tournaments got to the first round of the NCAA tournament challenge teams it's a unique brand of lacrosse on both ends especially defensively they've kind of employed that Bucknell style of constantly sliding and, and just creating havoc and confusion for an offense and then they've got some real talent I mean their starting attack I think is is the best in the Patriot League and, and you know, one of the better units, if you will, one through three there uh, in the country. And I think winning in Loyola, winning at Loyola and now beating Lehigh on the road, those are two huge yeah. steps for that program because they've shown flashes. But when you're starting from scratch, which they have, sometimes you, you kind of that there's that. Blocks. invisible blocks. yeah you know roadblock that you have to get over and, and doing the game at Loyola and seeing the way they especially in the third quarter tied at half took that game over it was like okay you guys have I mean you've arrived in a certain sense and now the next step will be hosting and, and maybe you know capturing a championship army uh fun a lot of fun I mean that army navy game Saturday was special it always is but definitely next level at Mikey full full house yeah their offense What's that? 10,000 fans almost. It's, oh, it's, yeah. Uh, they, it's they an, did it's a, an incredible game. It really is. They I did a great job. I would to go, to go to one of those. Oh, I, I, I want to go to a football game and not, and not oh, as yeah. for work and just At Mikey hang. in October yeah. with the leaves. For sure. How does Army lose that game in a year where they really should hold serve over a, a young Navy team? Look, the, sometimes that because of what goes into that game emotionally, um, I do. I, do think that you have to separate it, but the this the sort of lacrosse takeaway I would say and how they lost that game defensively they're not the army of of most years. Marcus Hudgens hasn't played all season. He's a you know first team All American caliber player. Uh, personal reasons is but what's been identified from the program, and they are not again. So their polls just. You can attack them. I mean, Joe Amplo told us as much. He's like, your short sticks are the guys we're going to avoid. We, we feel like we can beat their poles. And and they did that to some degree. And Wyatt Schupler's solid. He's been there for three years, but he didn't have a great game um, against Navy. So I, I think defensively they're vulnerable. And I love how they're playing offense because it's much more freedom of movement. It's it's They're taking chances. They're attacking early in shot clocks. Obviously, they have Brendan Nick turn. But they turn the ball over um, to some degree, and then that puts pressure on your defense. And then what happened Saturday, too, I should say, 
they, they've had a strong face-off game with Will Coletti, the freshman, but I think Army-Navy got him, um, especially early. Like, he, he just he, – he was not what he had been, especially in the Cornell upset. I mean, it, and that's what happens in that game. I mean, you, you can't imagine, even as big of the games you've played in and I've played in or at least witnessed, when you talk to these guys, it, it's, it's next level, the pressure they feel yeah. going into Army-Navy. Yeah, I know my brother's uh, Navy, and I, I went to two of those, both yeah, up at right. Mikey Stadium. One, I was in sixth grade. I'll never forget it. They, they won by a goal late. And then the next year, I think they beat him in the quarterfinals by a goal. Uh, th- those games with the Corps cadets in that stadium, uh, nothing like it. Just just an amazing, amazing venue. And, and uh, the, again, if you're a fan, you got to go to one of those games. It's, uh, it's something special, the pageantry, the passion. And what's great, too, and, and we got this Saturday, one, I always think that it's the plays in between the restraining boxes that define the game. And, and Navy won more of those, the 50-50s, the chasing a ball out, eating a shot, too. I mean, so many guys got – but Jack Sweeney won the game, and he comes in as the face, the man-up specialist. He hadn't played a, a second in the game. And Xavier Arline comes out because he's only you know been practicing for a few days – and he hits the game winner in overtime. I mean, like those, those are the things yeah, that make yeah. Army Navy special. Yeah, the stars do show up, but it's often the that second, third, or maybe even fourth tier player that that makes the difference. Well, we look forward to watching uh, your draft coverage uh, and then the, your coverage of the Patriot League tournament. Have a great time up in uh, up in Boston with Rhino. <laughs> yeah. Take him out, take him out to the North End, and, and make sure he make sure he hits the the Charles for some good exercise. Uh, uh, I can't wait. Um, yeah, man, this was fun. And look, I, I think I've told you it before, but I like to let everyone else know. I mean, and I'm sure it's the case for a lot of people, but you set the standard, man, um, early on, and. Uh, it's, uh, it's an honor to have worked with you, and um, I hope we can do it again at some point down the road. Well, thank you. appreciate that, Evan. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I start to look around. And, you know, I was watching your game the other day, and I was just like, wow, Evan's, Evan's gotten so good. Uh, so Thanks, congratulations. Man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, dude. Well, have a Thanks, good one. Thanks, folks. Yep, Evan, safe travels. We'll see you.